glad you're here tonight as well. And we're going to be talking about, uh, well, uh, something that we began last week. We talked about criticism last week and how to receive criticism. And tonight, I want to follow up with that, um, or how to offer criticism was last week. And then tonight, I want to follow up with how to receive criticism. Last week, uh, in that lesson on how to offer criticism, I made a mistake. I uh, referred to Acts chapter 18, and I, I referred to, uh, instead, of Anani- or instead of Aquila and Priscilla, I mentioned Ananias and Sapphira. It was kind of like the, the sermon where a man was preaching on Samson. He went all through, and his wife just kept shaking her head. Wives give you signals while you're preaching. I don't know if you don't. You may not know that, but they do. And she just had this frown and kept shaking her head. And, and by the time he was done, he was flustered. And he got in the car and he said, what in the world did you, what were you trying to tell me? And she said, who did you talk about this morning? He said, Samson. And she said, well, then why did you call him Tarzan all the way through your sermon? <laughs> Sometimes you say things and you don't even know you're saying it. And that was one of those cases. But... I took the names down of those people that pointed out my mistakes, so I just want you to know. But uh, last week was on offering criticism, how to do that. And today I want us to talk about how to receive criticism. It is a, it is a mark of maturity to offer it and to receive it in a, in a godly way, in a, in a proper way. Uh, there are times, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 tells us, there are times when those who are spiritual need to go to somebody and offer correction, offer criticism. And uh, they, when they do that, they need to do that in a proper way. There's a haughty, high-minded way that a person can approach you, and it has the opposite effect. It it doesn't bring about any correction. It it brings about maybe a stubbornness or a hardness of heart because of the way you you handled the situation. We don't want to do that. We don't want to use opportunities uh, to correct a person as as opportunities to give somebody a jab. Uh, those, are, those are all outside the spirit of Christ. The intent of correction is to bring a person back. And if your intent is not that, then don't do it. Let somebody else handle it. And if you're not the one who has the best outreach, if you're the person that probably, if I say this to them, they won't take it well, then don't, don't do it. Let somebody else handle that. Again, our goal is to help each other go to heaven. But on the other end of that, who likes to receive criticism? You know, nobody likes to be corrected. Nobody likes to to be told they did something wrong or needed correction on something. And so there is some instruction that the Lord has given to us on the receiving end. If a person does everything they're supposed to do in the way they're supposed to do it in terms of offering criticism, have you ever still got a little bent out of shape when it was directed at you? Have you ever still not liked it very much? Um, that's probably the case. And we need to resist those baser uh, instincts and uh, appeal to... And I, I believe there's a key that we'll talk about before we close this lesson tonight that will help us to remember what we ought to be. But if you have your Bible, I want you to open it to the book of Proverbs. And I want to just run through a couple passages with you tonight that show us... Um, some instruction regarding criticism. To begin with, turn in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 8 and uh, listen to what the wise man said in verse 33. 
He said, hear instruction, hear instruction and be wise and do not disdain it. So he tells us, listen, when somebody talks to you and is, is trying to teach you something, listen to them and don't, don't cop an attitude, don't disdain what they're saying, listen to them, give them your ear. All right, turn in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 12. And look at verse 1. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction, the New King James says, is stupid. Some uh, translations are, say, foolish. But if, if you love instruction, or if you love instruction, you love knowledge. You know, I always had a problem, well, you know, if you think about it just, you know, cognitively, you can say, well, when I'm instructed, that means I learn more and I'm better off today than I was yesterday. But we don't always see it that way. If you want to grow in your knowledge, then you're going to love instruction. But the person who hates correction, they're foolish. Because nobody can tell them anything. They'll never learn. They'll never grow beyond where they are. Turn in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 12, or uh, chapter 15. And look at verse 5. A fool despises his father's instruction, but he who receives correction is prudent. Um, look at verse 15 of the, or verse 32 in the same chapter. He who disdains instruction despises his own soul, but he who heeds rebuke gets understanding. When I get so bent out of shape because you're correcting me that I don't listen, I'm just hurting myself. I spite myself. Uh, we've probably all seen people spite themselves. Or maybe as a parent, as you give instruction to your children on how to do something and they're kind of rebellious to the way that you've told them to do it, you're telling them the right way, but they're bound and determined to do it the, the way they had it. And they go through so much more work because they don't listen. And that's what he's saying here. Turning your Bible to Proverbs chapter 19 and look at verse 20. Listen to the counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. Again, the, the key is to listen to the counsel or to counsel and uh, instruction. And then again, in Proverbs chapter 9, there is a statement made in verses 7 through 10. He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself, and he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he'll love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he'll still be wiser. Teach a just man and he'll increase in learning. The fact that you have information and you want to correct somebody doesn't mean that they'll receive the correction. A foolish man, a scoffer, when you come and try to help him, he is just going to learn to hate you. Who are you to tell me anything? But a wise man, he'll listen. And so I want us to be in the category of that wise man. Proverbs, and this is just a sampling from the book of Proverbs, but wisdom is the theme in the book of Proverbs. And so much is said about how we receive correction, instruction. 
Are we going to be a scoffer, a foolish man who turns our ear away from the truth and, and turns people away because we don't want, I don't like them anymore because they said this or that to me? Or are we going to be a wise man and listen and uh, learn and grow from the, the instruction and correction we receive? So the intent is to be wise. I want to be someone that God would not characterize as a foolish person, but as one who is wise, is prudent. And to do that, I have to be able to receive instruction. I have to allow myself to be corrected. So what are some keys that will help me to receive correction without getting bent out of shape? Well, I'll give you three suggestions tonight. Well, really four. And... uh, then the lesson will be yours. The first thing is that let's understand when we are being corrected that there's always, there's always a reason or an excuse to just reject what you have to say. No matter how truthful what you say is, I I can always find something that gives me some justification, some rationale for rejecting what you have to say. And what we have to do is fight off those rationalizations. For instance, one of the rationalizations that we sometimes make is the imperfection of the person who's doing the correcting. Somebody comes up to me and says, Steve, I, you know, I got to tell you this. What you did here was not the way it should have been done. And you know what? I, 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 let's see. How am I going to defend myself? I'm going to rationalize. Who are you to tell me how to do something? I mean, how can you stand there? How do you have the nerve to tell me how to do something when... I can pick a hundred things in your life that you ought to be doing better. And so, though the instruction may be dead on, I just turn away from it and I reject it because of the one who gave it. Listen, if you're ever to receive any instruction at all, it'll be from an imperfect person, okay? There's no perfect people. And if you're going to be that wise man spoken of in the book of Proverbs who receives instruction, if you're waiting for it to be given to you from a person that has no sin, who makes no errors, then you'll never be instructed. I have to be able to look through the person who's giving the instruction to the instruction itself. And if I don't do that, I'm going to be a terrible person to try to help. Um, Let's understand that the person cannot be allowed to get in the way. Yeah, there are going to be people who come up to you and they tell you things and you're thinking while they're telling you, this guy doesn't have his act together. Why would I listen to him? I can pick out for every one thing in my life that he can pick out and criticize. I can pick out ten in his. That may very well be the case. But don't reject what he says based upon his imperfections. Turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. That passage is one of the most misused passages in all the Bible, if there is a person who knows a dabbling of Scripture, he'll know this one. People that don't hardly ever go to church, they don't claim Christianity, but but if they have a verse that they know in the Bible, this is the one. Because it says, Judge not that you be not judged. And so what some have tried to do with that passage is say, you can't tell me I'm doing anything wrong. The Bible says, judge not that you be not judged. And so you don't have any right to tell me anything about the way I'm behaving myself. But listen to what the passage says. For with what judgment 
you judge, you will be judged. And with what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Yeah, the Lord is rebuking this hypocritical type of judgment. Someone who has a, a, a plank in his eye and he's up there trying to pick a speck out of another person's eye, ridiculous. He says that shouldn't be that way. Before you go to pick out a speck out of somebody's eye, remove the plank from your own. I understand that. But the fact that somebody with a plank approaches you doesn't mean you get to just outright reject what he has to say. In fact, it doesn't say that judgment is wrong. Look at verse 4 and listen to what he says. Or verse 5. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to do what? To remove the speck. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, we shouldn't be too concerned. and All this speck picking, you know, I'm tired. Nobody should be doing that kind of thing. No, that's exactly what he tells us we are to do. And in order to do it, we have to get rid of the plank. But the reason we get rid of the plank is so that we can go to a person and, and pick out that speck that is in their eye. But it has to be done in a, in a proper way, and it has to be received. I cannot let the fact that somebody has an imperfect life keep me from listening to what they have to say. It's something we have to fight. Another rationale that we sometimes use to just dismiss people is that the correction is not 100% accurate. Now, last week we talked about when we offer correction, we need to offer it accurately. But the same thing is true in terms of receiving. Uh, I don't want to get so caught up in what they say that I miss what they mean. When, you know, your wife comes to you and says, you haven't helped with the dishes since we've been married. Don't dismiss what she says on the basis of, oh, yes, I have. I, I remember that time in 1980, you know, and you can go back to a time when you did. Um, the point that she's making, though she may not have stated it very well, the point that she's making is you don't help me enough. And there may be validity to that. But don't allow the fact that she misstates her point cause you to miss the point. We often do that. Well, that's not true. I, I do this or I do that, and we, we miss the spirit of what's being said. Don't let the correction, if it's not 100% accurate, allow you to just turn off what's being said. Listen. That's what the wise man would do. And then correction that... Um, isn't handled well. Uh, who thinks correction is handled well in the first place? I, I, I'd like to know that because no matter where you are, you know, here, here, somebody who says, all right, I need to correct that person. They do it in public. And, and so I listen to it and I go, oh, man, I can't believe he said that. I, at least take me in private and say it there. Don't say it in front of other people. And, and so I can dismiss what they said because of the way they handled the correction. And I just dismiss and, and turn away from everything they said. But then I've heard people say, the nerve of that person. 
calling me up, asking me to meet for dinner with them or for lunch with them, and then to come together and, and tell me all these things that I need to change in my life. The nerve. I can't believe they do that. Tell me, when is a convenient time to be corrected? When is a good time? See, if we're looking for an excuse not to listen, we can, I can find fault with the one-on-one, and I can find fault when you do it in public. And so what I need to do, again, is to train myself. Don't let, whether I listen or not, hinge on the way it was delivered. We might not like the place where they correct me. We not, might not like the way it was said when they correct me. Don't let those things factor in. Listen to what they say and examine the truthfulness of it. And let me, let me say this. Like I said, as we started, we can always find an excuse. We can always find a rationale not to listen. But if I want to be the wise man that the book of Proverbs writes about, I, I need to train myself and discipline myself. And it takes work. It takes maturity to listen to this criticism and take out of it what I can get out of it to be a better person. And what doesn't apply and what is is um, over the top and, and isn't really accurate. Well, Proverbs says if a man criticizes you and it's not really just criticism, he says, let it just be like the fluttering, the landing of a little sparrow, and then it just lands and flies away. Don't worry about it. If somebody makes a charge, weigh what they say, and if it isn't true, then go on. It should be to you as the flight or and the landing of a, a little bird absolutely mean nothing to you. If you wanted to criticize me because my car is brown, Steve, I've got a problem with you. You, you know that car you have? It's brown. I, I would have preferred you buying a blue one. Well, you know, that may be what you feel, but that's not going to weigh on me. I, I can't let that, that that's just going to fly off because there's no substance to that. There's no basis. But let me tell you, here's the key, I think, that will help us, the final key that will help us. If we consider this truth, and give, give thought to this. While it's difficult to be corrected, I'll tell you, everyone here who's a child of God can do it if they put their mind to it. Because let me tell you something. If you can endure the criticism of the cross and not become bitter, then you can, you can take what I have to offer to you or what your brother has to say to you or your sister do you understand how harsh the criticism of the cross is? Do you know what that says to you? You are a sinner. The cross of Christ says you are helpless. It says that you have made a mess of things. It says that you are headed to hell and not heaven. And you can't do anything about it. The cross of Christ is the most severe criticism that you will ever receive in your life. And if you can endure that criticism, listen to it, hear it, and learn from it, then what is there that I can say that would make you turn a deaf ear? If you can endure the, the criticism of the cross that says you are wholly 
unprepared to meet God. Your choices have been horrible. You have become a sinner. You have turned your back on Christ, and you need to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. It's because of people like you that Jesus had to die on the cross. If you can listen to that and say, you know, you're right. Uh, There's something for me to learn there. If you can take that criticism and listen and learn from it, then what can I possibly say to you that would keep you from listening? The cross of Christ is the height of criticism. And I want you to keep that in mind as we deal with criticisms that come our way in life. And remember the cross of Jesus. If you can endure that, you can certainly endure what men may say to you. Tonight, I want us to, and this lesson, again, the the two part to this, is intended to help us in an area of our life, it's diff- I think it's difficult. I think it's difficult to approach people, number one, in the first place and just point out mistakes in their life. I think it's difficult when we are called to do that, to do it in a way that we show humility and not arrogance. It's hard to do it in a way that we don't come off in a, in a, in a way that they perceive something that's not... It takes work. We have to be careful. And then on the same side, it's hard to receive it. I don't like to be corrected. But if I'll keep some of these things in mind, it will end up leading us to this place where the Lord says, you're a wise man because you listen. When those who correct you speak, you listen and you learn from it. And all that leads to, again, is if you have something to say that criticizes me, And if I weigh it, and if you're right, and I listen to it, all that means is that I'm a better off person today than I was yesterday because I've learned. And that's what I want us all to be. I want us to to progress and mature so that we can someday go to heaven and help others to go there as well. Hopefully these two lessons will will be of some help to you as we talk about this particular aspect of life. But again, let me bring this all together and and just remind you of this. The cross of Jesus tonight stands and critiques your life. The cross of Jesus says, you are a sinner. It says that you can't do anything about it. It says that God had to allow his son to come to earth and die because of you. Can you receive that criticism? Will the cross of Christ become a stumbling block to you? Will you turn a deaf ear and walk away? Or will you listen and respond? Yeah, that's right. That is who I am. I am all those things, and Jesus had to do all those things because of my mistakes, and I want to make it right. I want to learn from it. If that's you tonight and you've not yet been baptized into Christ, we'll, we'll assist you in that. It's the wise thing to do. If you're a child of God already but unfaithful and there are things in your life that shouldn't be a part of a Christian's life, and the cross of Christ is calling out to you saying, you're not right, can you endure that? Does it make you angry or does it make you want to change the way you're living? Receive instruction, especially instruction from the Lord. And he asks you to humble yourself in his presence and he'll lift you up. If you're here tonight and you need to respond, we invite you to come as we stand together and sing.